Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Hallelujah. Well, welcome, 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 you guys, to the Building Christian Fellowship. If you haven't already been welcome, Tober's so great. Just the whole family is great. They're serving all the ministries. They're doing such a great job. But giving honor to God, giving honor to our pastors, Pastor John and Pastor Kaya. Hi, you guys. See? Hey, how you doing? Pastor John's hospital room has effectively become the control center. Like, every other day, he's like, hey, who's in the back room? Who opened the back door? Like, how do you know that? You're like an hour and a half away. How do you know these things? But it's an honor and privilege to be the youth pastor here at the Building Christian Fellowship. I've introduced myself. My name is Pastor JR. Myself and my wife are the youth pastors and leaders over production here at TBCF, and it's just been great. Absolutely great. Time is flying by. We've been at this for, what, like six Six years now? It's crazy. So, I won't be before you guys long, but over the past couple of weeks, how many people have been enjoying the, the series, The Gospel Center Life? Anybody been enjoying this series so far? Yes, it's been great. I encourage you guys to get the time. My, again, my book is a little beat up because, you know, once it goes in my backpack, Lord knows what's going to happen. But we're in the middle of The Gospel Center Life, and last week, Pastor Jenny preached a powerful message. Can we give it up for Pastor Jenny real quick? She preached a powerful message about the law and the gospel, about it being our delight and not just a a, a bunch of rules that we keep when it comes to living this Christian life. And, you know, the Christian life isn't a long list of rules for us to try to keep up and follow because we can't. Believe it or not, we can't. You can try your hardest. There's like hundreds and hundreds of laws to follow. You can't do it by yourself. And this wasn't meant to, you know, make you feel bad because, yeah, you're bad. You made a mistake. But it's meant to show you, hey, you can't do this without God. And so with that being said, one of the things that Pastor Jenny had went over was um, it really isn't an excuse for us to lose hope because of our inability to keep the rules. But God in his perfect love made a way for us by sending his only son not to erase or get rid of these rules, but to fulfill them and pay the penalty for us missing the mark. We can't live in legalism to try to make us right with God by being strict rule keepers, nor live lawlessly because we're, because we're as Ephesians says, saved by grace. So we can't, do, we can't live a lawless life on one side and can't live over legal on the other side, right? We tend to fall on, on two sides, either like, okay, God, either I trust in you or I'm going to figure it out myself kind of thing. So if we can't lean on legalism and law following and rule following and living a strict and disciplined life, and we can't just be like, you know, saved by grace, and I'll sit now, and I'll go pray about it later. If we can't do that, what is the proper response to the gospel? I think that's an an issue and a question that all of us try to figure out. It's like, how do I properly live this life? Because it's been tough. How I don't know how many people have been Christians for a long time. When you became a Christian, life didn't get any easier. Same struggles that everybody else goes with, same, same hardships that everybody goes, out, goes, uh, goes on with and, and the same situation that a lot of people go with. But we've been given a response according to the word on how we're to respond to the gospel. Now, a lot of times when you hear this word, 
it kind of sounds like a cuss word when you say it around certain worldly people, or even Christians sometimes, it kind of gives you that, that clinch factor, makes you sting a little bit. The proper response to the gospel, you guys, I wish I had a drum roll. Jonathan, where'd you go? I wish I had the drum roll. The proper response to the gospel is repentance. That's the proper response. Now, I know we've been through a lot, and I know there are certain days, like, I just can't wait till I make it till Sunday so I can feel better and start my week, but that's not necessarily the right response. I'm not saying that you can't show emotion. I'm saying there is a place for emotion, but we can't be driven by our emotions by thinking that we're made right. Like, oh, well, I got my tears out this Sunday. Everything's good. I feel better about myself. Everything's fine. Or maybe you thought, well, maybe it's a good idea. You know, maybe I'll just go to church, you know, once a, once a month. You know, I don't have to go all the time. You know, we are the church and everything like that. So I'll just go once a month, you know, talk to Pastor John or something, and I should be, I should be good for the rest of the month. That'll, that'll top me off for the rest of the month like it's, a, like it's a gas for the week or something like that. But repentance is the proper response. And so if you guys will turn with me to Psalm 51. Psalm 51. Anybody know about the guy named David? The guy killed Goliath, killed the giant. Well, the man that was known as the man after God's own heart done messed up. Not a lot of people know. They, they, they kind of glorify the story about David being the giant slayer, but they, some people kind of tend to be like, forget about the whole story of him being a murderer and an adulterer and a liar. But even as somebody that commits those egregious sins, even as somebody that has done such bad things, there's still a place to have a relationship with the Father, and that's through repentance. Psalm 51, it says this. It says, for the choir director, a psalm of David, regarding the time Nathan the prophet came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins, wash me clean from my guilt, Purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. Let me read that again. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a loyal spirit within me. Now, the rest of Psalm 51 is homework for you guys. Go ahead and read that in your personal time. But the title of today's message is Sorry, Not Sorry. Sorry, not sorry. I need you to look at your neighbor and say, sorry, not sorry. What, we've taught, what we, we've, we tend to do when we look at repentance, we look at it like, well, I really don't need to repent until I've done something really, really bad. Or really, I don't need to repent until I really feel deeply and emotionally moved in order to apologize. Or maybe you might think we only need to repent when we've been caught. This is not the definition of repentance. Repentance is, is not just saying that you're sorry. Repentance is not just an emotional response. Repentance is not just tears, but repentance is turning from what you used to do and turning towards another source. So when we look at repentance, it's not like we're just coming to the altars, crying our tears out and going on about our day, going on about our lives. 
But repentance, true repentance is meant, and this is our first point, true repentance is oriented towards God and not me. True repentance is oriented towards God and not me. And I think a lot of times when we fail, we all make mistakes. Romans talks about no one is righteous, no, not one. All of us got a track record. All of us got a a, a long list of things that we've done. But when we sin, when we miss the mark, we didn't miss our own mark. We missed God's mark. So if we're going to go to repentance and we're going into into this mode of repenting, we're not saying like, I can't believe that I would do something like that. Me? Pastor JR said what? I can't believe I would say something like that. When ultimately the heart should be, look, I made this mistake. I know that, that, that I, I, I'm not perfect. I know that sometimes I don't say all the right things. Let me repent. What did I do wrong so that I can make things right again? It's not about thinking that you're good and you're righteous in your own knowledge, in your own understanding. But when you repent, your, your, your repentance is oriented towards God. So our reconciliation has to be made with God. Think about this, right? In the book of Genesis, anybody know about the guy named Joseph? Joseph, when he was sold into slavery by his brothers, he was serving in his master's house, right? And his wife was, I was about to say something inappropriate. I'm glad my grandma's not here. The wife was out there, okay? I hate to use the, the, the term, but she was, she was in the streets, okay? She was in the streets. And so... Joseph had been faithful to what he had been called to do. Joseph had been serving faithfully. And what does the wife come and do in secret? She's like, Joseph, in the biblical term, Joseph, come lay with me. He's like, nah, bruh, I'm out of here. I ain't doing that. She comes a second time. Joseph, come lay with me. You know what his response was? He probably could have did it and got away with it. He probably could have did it and nobody would have ever knew. But you know what his response was? He didn't just say, no, ugh, I can't do that. He said, Why would I do something to sin against my God? That even in a moment that he could have got away with it, that even in a moment where nobody probably would have ever knew, he still was a man of integrity. Because not because repentance was a one-time thing for him, but it was a lifestyle thing for him. Is that, look, it's not just, I didn't just repent this one time I messed up. My heart is constantly pointed towards God so that in everything that I do, in every step that I make, whether I have eyes on me or not, I am doing things to honor God. And I know, I know some of us might have the opportunities. You might be like, well, I'm grown. I can do whatever I want to. I'm a grown man. I can say whatever I want to anybody who I want to. We have to have the mindset as Christians, as followers of Christ, that our repentance, our lifestyle of repentance is constantly turned towards God because people might not see you, your family might not see you, your brother and sister might not see you, your spouse might not see you, but God sees you. So God, if you see me, God, I don't want to do any wickedness in your sight. Lead my path. I trust in you to lead my life. True repentance is oriented towards God and not me. Next is true repentance is motivated by the true godly sorrow and not just selfish regret. True repentance is motivated by true godly sorrow and not just selfish regret. Here's a quote that I found from a guy named John Trapp. It says, real repentance acts. If thou repent with a contradiction, God will pardon thee with a contradiction. Thou repentest and yet continuest in thy sin. God will pardon ye and yet send thee to hell. There is pardon with a contradiction. There is pardon with a contradiction. He's not saying, 
that there's like good repentance and like A-level A repentance and B-level repentance. No, there's just repentance. It's either you turn or you don't. It's either you go through the motions or you really give your life to God. Listen, I, I had shared something on Thursday that was kind of puzzling with a young person. I said, hey, man, you realize that everybody that comes to church isn't saved? He's like, what? I'm like, yeah, you know, just because you show up to the building does not mean that you're following God. And that'll shake certain people. But here becomes the important thing. It's not about you showing up and feeling good during the week. It's not about you hearing a great worship team or, or hearing an inspiring word for the week. But it's about, man, when I come to church, I come to get equipped. I come to get the tools that I need to live my life for Christ. That becomes the thought process. And, and the ultimate part becomes like, well, I got it all together. You know, I'll just come to God when I really, really feel sorry or when I really, really made that mistake or when I really, really need some help. It's not about your, your flesh is incapable of doing good. Your flesh is incapable of being righteous. The Bible talks about the Holy Spirit leads us into all righteousness. So when you gave your life to Christ for the first time, it was the Holy Spirit saying, follow me. Come with me. Trust me. It wasn't your flesh. You didn't come up with a, hey, you heard about that church, the building Christian Maybe we should go there. Yeah, that'd be a good idea. It was the Holy Spirit leading you into righteousness. So don't trust in just your emotions. There are going to be times in your life where you don't feel like repenting. There are going to be times in your life where you don't feel emotionally moved. Well, I was in the right. She got what was coming to her. I was in the right. You know, I, I just say what I think. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, just, I'm just being honest. Nah, man. Don't just wait until your flesh wants to. You have to be led by the Spirit. True repentance is motivated by the true godly sorrow and not just selfish regret. The next is this. True repentance is concerned with the heart and not just ex external actions. True repentance is concerned with the heart and not just external actions. It's an old saying, a tree is known by its fruit. A tree is known by its fruit. And the thing about fruit is you can't fake it or fabricate it, right? Now, we can all get into the business of fabricating fake fruit, but when it comes down to nourishing somebody, when it comes down to planting seeds and more fruit being grown, it's not going to be capable to do those things. So you can have the Christian behavior. You can maybe stop cussing for a little while or stop cussing around the people that are Christians or maybe you can act a little bit better. But listen, you cannot fake the fruit of the Spirit, you can't fabricate it because ultimately when it's put to the test, it's going to fail. Repentance is not concerned. It's concerned with the heart and not just external actions. Psalms 51, 10 through 13 has said, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you. That is... Is, 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 the, is the effects of real effective fruit. It's not just saying, God, make me new, make me brand new, cleanse my heart, make me new again. But listen, after I've been new, I can bear fruit so that other people may be able to partake of it. Not that I can be the only one that experiences your goodness, but the people around me can experience your goodness. Here becomes the thing, you guys, is like, God is giving you this grace. God is giving you this favor, not just for you, but for the people around you. It's not just the guy that gets up on Sunday mornings with the microphone in his hand to preach the gospel to people that wherever you work, whatever family you're in, whatever school you go to is your platform 
to deliver the gospel. It's your platform to show the fruits of the Spirit. And that can only be done with a new heart. It happens from the inside out. When you look at the Gospels, there are these guys named Pharisees, right? The Pharisees and Sadducees. The Pharisees and Sadducees had all the right things. They were dressed nice. They look holy. They look like they were doing the right thing. But the Bible talks about Jesus said to them, you guys are like whitewashed tombs. That it looks like it's clean on the outside, but it's nothing but dead things on the inside. That we have to recognize that if we're, if we're going to exude this life that God gives us, we have to do it in a way where our heart is changed from the inside and our actions are affecting the outside. The church is not in the business of behavioral modification. And this is, this is the heart of a youth pastor real quick, okay? Parents, I'm so happy when you come and bring your kids. But look, it's not just about getting your kids to church. You got to be the church at your house. We're only with your kids maybe an hour, two hours, a couple of hours during the week. But listen, the same spirit that pastors have is the same spirit that you have access to. So why not allow this building, 207 Marina Center, or wherever you live in Susun, Vacaville, Fairfield, Vallejo, be the church as well? This is what becomes a thing. As a parent, I, I, I can't paint this picture that, hey, guys, we're going to be holy in public, but ratchet in private. This is the inconsistency that you're trying to give to, to the people that are around you, especially when you have kids, especially when you have little ones that are following each and every step. I learned this the hard way. I had a couple of bad habits this is before I had my own kids, but me and my wife call our teenagers like, these are our practice kids, so that when we have teenagers, we got all under control. But I started to realize, like, the little bad habits or the jokes or the, the, the stab. I come from a family where we're sarcastic and we roast each other. And we got to the point where we're so tough skin, it's just like back and forth. But we forget sometimes when you kind of roast somebody that's outside the family that you're really hurting people's feelings, and I forget. And so, long story short, the people that are around me are exhibiting my behavior. The people that are around me are following me, and, and, and here becomes the thing. You don't get to choose who you influence. God placed you in a certain place to, to change uh, uh, jobs to change cities to change communities you're sitting here waiting for me and we need we need more jesus in our schools then go be the hands and feet of jesus man my boss needs to find jesus you work there man you know you know cousin cousin pookie been tripping you know they really need to come to church be the church true repentance is concerned with the heart not just external actions. I think about fatherhood and I think about how great of a job, and I'm just going to give them honor what honors do, how great of, the jo of a job the Tolberts are doing in raising their children. Straight up. So Jaden and I recorded that video a couple days ago. And I've known Jaden since he was younger. And as a father, as a youth pastor, as a follower of Christ, the scripture raise up your child in the way that it should go, that when they grow older, they might not depart from it, means something completely new, right? In the sense that, and, and maybe, maybe some of you Christian parents share some of my sentiment, where it's like, man, I can make sure that they don't watch this, and they don't watch that, and then they don't hang around that family, because you know, they got two moms over there, and got to make sure that this isn't right, and that isn't right, and we keep everything tight into the thing, and we got to make sure they do this so they can be, grow up and be Christians. We got to make sure we do that. We got to make sure we do this and not realizing that they have to have a personal relationship for themselves. 
So when you're raising up a child in the way that they should go, you are equipping them to live a Christian life so that when they become of age, they make the decision to follow Christ. Hey, even, and, and, and I, I go back to this message that, that Brother Carlos preached like years ago. When he said we can't raise our children out of fear, we have to raise our children by empowering them. This is how you empower the next generation. This is how you empower the people that you're discipling. This is how you empower and, and give people the tools that they need by living a true, repentive life. Because they, if, 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 if the people that don't know Jesus just see Christianity as an insurance policy and not a lifestyle, half the people in California are driving around around here without any insurance. What do I need to get insurance for? I don't crash my car. What do I need insurance for? I... I I drive to work and come back. I don't do nothing. What do I need Christianity for? I mean, me and my girl are cool. No, we're just living together. It's fine. What, what, do, I need, what do I need Christianity for? I, my dad was an alcoholic. I'm an alcoholic. It's cool. We just drink. I, well, you know, man, it's California, man. I got to make a little extra money, so I got to sling this dope. So what do I need Christianity? What do I need to live right for if my life is fine? You have to be the light amongst the darkness. You have to be the one that is giving the truth amongst a bunch of other truths. That in order to do that, we cannot just be concerned with how we're acting, but what the, the, what the, uh, the position of our heart is. J- back to what Jaden, uh, with Jaden. Jaden had been raised in the church his whole life. He said it in his testimony. But when he grew older, he's like, you know what? I've known about God this whole time. I've learned about him through my childhood. I'm going to return back what God has poured into me by serving other youth. And I'm not saying that the, the, the track in order to being a perfect Christian is serving and elevate. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is this. His heart posture, where he was at, what he grew up to be is, look, Man, I got to do this in a way. All these tools that mom and dad and, and Pastor John and, and, and all the people that are all around me have given me, I'm going to take these tools and put them to use. I'm going to live the life that God has called me to live. True repentance is concerned with the heart and not just external actions. Lastly is this. True repentance looks to Jesus for deliverance from the penalty and power of sin. True repentance looks to Jesus for deliverance from the penalty and power of sin. That we're not just looking to self-help books and self-help situations and spiritual gurus and, and, and infinity stones and all these other things to make our atmosphere and vibrations vibrate in the right place so that our, our, our spirits will be aligned with the Saturn moon and the... Come on, bro. We can't dabble in both. We can't dabble in both. We can't dabble and call ourselves following in... A, a, was it Astrology? Leo, Sagittarius, all that. We can't, we can't call us trying to follow, like, well, you know I'm a Leo. <laughs> you know us Leos. Nah, bro. You're a Christian. You follow the line of Judah. You, you, you're, 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 your life has been cleansed and empowered by Jesus. It talks about in Romans chapter 6. It says, since we have been unified with him in his death, we also be unified to life as he was. We know that our own sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, 
we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because of Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God so that you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ. Some of us in here might have histories of addiction. Some of us in here might have had a long history of past of toxic relationship after toxic relationship. Some of us feel like we're unfixable. Some of us feel like we've gone too far. Some of us feel like, what's the use? But listen, when I tell you that there is a hope that we can find in Jesus Christ, that our word talks about that whom the Son sets free is free indeed, I believe that. And here becomes the thing. There, there, there are people that come to church that don't know what true freedom is because they've never really given their life to Christ. They've adopted the ideologies. They might open up their Bible, but they're not led by the Spirit. That these godly things, these things in our word cannot be deciphered by our flesh. That we need the Spirit to read our Bibles. That we can't just get all our word on a Sunday morning and then go out there and live how we want to, that's not what a Christ-led lifestyle looks like. Is that in order for me to be delivered, in order for me to be set free, in order for me to be empowered, I have to do so by giving my life, my whole life to Jesus. And this is where the discouragement comes. And you think, man, you heard this hard-hitting message about repentance. It's like, well, I can't do that. Good. None of us can do it. Jesus isn't just calling you to a standard just so you can't reach it. Not only does he call you to to the standard, but he empowers you to meet you there because he's the one that met the standard himself. It was was important for, for God to wrap himself in flesh, come and live a sinless life, and still pay the penalty for us even though he didn't have to. I love the way that Dr. John said it, Dr. John Harris. He says one of two things has to happen when it comes to a holy God trying to love unholy people. Either the holy and perfect God becomes unholy and communes with them, or either the holy God brings the unholy people up to his holiness, and then he can commune with them. You being made right is not by your works. You being made right is not about how many ministries you serve in. You being right is not by how many devotionals you do in a year, or if you completed the Bible in a year, or if you do all the right things. You are made right in Jesus Christ alone. You are saved by grace through faith, not by works, unless anyone should boast. That faith begins not just with you saying the sinner's prayer, not just with you raising your hand during a service, but that life begins when you make the decision that, look, this lifestyle that I've lived before now is trash. God, I'm turning to you. God, teach me how to be a better father. God, teach me how to be a better brother. God, teach me how to be a better pastor. God, teach me how to love people that don't show me any love back. God, teach me how to love people that curse me. These, these, all of these commandments in the Bible seem unattainable because they are in our own strength. That we can only do so through Jesus Christ. And as I come to a close, and actually if I can get the whole worship team back up. True repentance, a truly changed life, a truly changed life that's turned to God is one that is laid down for him. The Bible talks about that if you seek your, try, to, try to seek what your life is about, you're going to end up losing it. 
But those that lay down their lives for Christ's sake, they'll find it. So I don't know what your stance is. I don't know how long you've known God. I don't know if you've been in the church your whole life, you grew up in church, or you've moved a bunch of different churches, or whatever it might be. But let's rewire this thought process this morning. That repentance is not just something that you do when you feel that you're sorry. Oh God, I'm sorry, I messed up. Let me feel better again. That's really what we're praying. God, make me feel better. Not God, change my heart. Not God, make me new. Not God, I trust you. We can't let these emotions confuse. Uh, Yes, emotions have a place in your life, but not a place to lead you. That the Holy Spirit is the only one that can lead us and empower us to do all righteousness in his will. So as we stand to our feet, Sending prayer is going to be different. Okay? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because ultimately I'm not into counting hands and saying, hey, eight people got saved today. I'm happy. I'd be happy. That's cool. But you know what would really make me happy? What would really help me find that joy, have that joy in the Lord? Is that there were eight people that whether raise their hands physically or there's like, okay, I'm making this decision. And six months later, they were still walking with Christ. That becomes the real count. Not just you coming to a moment where you feel really sorry and the pads come up and the worst team sounds good and the lights go down so you're kind of in the mood to give your life to Christ. But I'm encouraging you to change your thought about uh, repentance this morning. It's not just a thing that you do when you're sorry. It's not just a thing that you do when you feel emotionally moved. It's not just a thing that you do so that you can get away from the blame or get away from the guilt, but it says that seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added. You're looking to get absolved of that guilt, give your life to Christ. If you're looking to be set free, give your life to Christ. If you're looking to put down that addiction, give your life to Christ. If you're looking to to, to separate yourself from those people that keep tearing you down, give your life to Christ. If you're trying to figure out how you can forgive that person that hurt you, give your life to Christ. That God doesn't just call us to a high, high standard without empowering us to reach it. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for the peace that surpasses all understanding. God, we thank you for your holiness. You said in your word that you're the one that leads us into all repentance. So God, I'm praying now that you're pricking hearts. God, I'm praying now that you're leading people into righteousness. God, not just for a moment, but for a lifetime, for an eternity, God. That we don't just trust you, God, in the things that we can't handle. God, I pray that marriages are redeemed today. God, I pray that relationships are restored today. God, I'm praying that you give us strength in our weakness. Lead us, guide us, protect us. You are the one that is in control. God, I'm praying that you show each and every person that has turned towards you this morning that they are not alone, that they have a body of brothers and sisters that they can follow with, 
that they got people they can lean on. They got people that can help sharpen them and live a better life for you, God. I just thank you for all this. In Jesus' name. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.